Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Godzilla vs. Kong, starring Alexander Skarsgård, Millie Bobby Brown, Rebecca Hall, and Brian Tyree Henry. Story by Terry Rossio, Michael Doherty, and Zach Shields. Screenplay by Eric Pearson and Max Borstein, and directed by Adam Weingard. Matt, I actually like Adam Weingard. I think we're going to talk a little bit about him because he's kind of cut his teeth in a lot of horror films, mm-hmm. but we'll wait to get into the main conversation for that. But welcome back to Rice Smile Films. It's Time to get out of the DC cask shadow and enter the monster verse of Godzilla and King Kong. Yeah, so happy new cask, everybody. Putting the DC stuff to bed for a while. Buried with the dinosaur bones. Exactly. <laughs> and tackling another version of science fiction. So Godzilla and Kong kicking it off with what was just released three Thurs- days ago. Thursday night, yeah. Thursday night. Excellent, yeah. So yeah, we're going to get get right into the weeds with this new bottle uh, no more. Although, you know, Matt, I was very impressed with Matt's uh, uh, cocktail uh, creation, <laughs> yeah. uh, the the liqueur, the DC Zack Snyder liqueur that we created. But we're back to straight bourbon uh, whiskey. This is the Sam Houston age 14 years. Matt, we've never had Sam Houston before, but we tested this the other night. Mm-hmm. I think we're off to a good start. Yeah. So full disclosure, this isn't the first dive into this. This was if you missed it this week, we had a shot about uh, our version of the DC NCAA top 16 tournament. Uh, very hat, ba- very Batman heavy bracket, but if you missed it, it's a fun listen. And what was supposed to be about 30 minutes, it ended up going an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> that was the funniest part. <laughs> it was pretty good, though. Cheers, Matt. Cheers, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're back. <laughs> so much better. We're back. And now we're going to the monster verse. Let's see if this fares better than the Snyder verse. But let's get started with our flight question. Godzilla, he's all trombone, tuba, French horn. He's all brass, man. Yeah, that's well said. <laughs> There's no woodwind in that in that concoction there. Kong's the drums. Yeah, there you go. They're two very diff- different musical styles. But, man, why don't you hit us with the flight question this week? I think we're going to have a lot of fun with our questions uh, this week for this episode. Flight and nightcap are first and second parts of the same question, so we haven't done that before. So let's tackle, tackle, or tackle. That's how you tackle and talk at the same time. You tackle. <laughs> <laughs> New word creation. Shantate. Yeah. Let's tackle the first part. Okay. From any disaster film that has been mated, I'd like you to choose the landscape or the setting that could birth the possibility for an environment that breeds new monsters in the Titan universe. Okay. So from natural disaster to nuclear fallout to you name it, you get to use that backdrop. Not so much concerned with in a sequel or a latter iteration, but what the landscape and the geography in that movie could provide that would make the monsters interesting. Excellent. I love it. You go first. All right. First, so this is, so I guess it is kind of a disaster movie and it's almost more of like a science fiction-y horror thing. 
Uh, but this is a film I'm going to, it's, I'm going to kind of spoil it a little bit, which is a shame, but everyone should see this film. And I would love to do this on the show one of these days. Uh, the film is called life with Jake Gyllenhaal, Rebecca mm-hmm. Ferguson and Ryan Reynolds. Yes. And what I like is how the film ends, which is essentially this parasite, this organism, this alien, this, whatever it, you, how you want to describe what that is, this black goo, mm. this symbiote, uh, ends up on earth. Southeast Asia. So what are the possibilities and ramifications of this thing attaching itself to more life living organisms? We've seen what it did to the crew in that film. It just ravages them completely. Yeah. Uh, But I'll pick up later with that, with the nightcap, but I like the potential of the unknown with that particular organism. And because it is sort of not lifelike, it's, uh, it can almost kind of just attach itself to anything, much like the symbiote in, in, in the Spider-Man verse. I'm going to go with that one. I don't know. I don't hear anyone talk about that movie, which is kind of a shame. That was kind of just an under-the-radar February-March release. No one really saw it, but I saw it like after the fact on, on Blu-ray, and I was like, this movie's blowing my mind. This thing's, this thing's amazing. It's like everything you want from Alien without like you know ripping off Alien. That was a really good film mm-hmm. that very few people saw. And then the reviews weren't great to boot. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure why. That's a solid movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great choice. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tried to think. I was like going to go like a hurricane or like a mm-hmm. comet or a nuclear thing. And I was like, what about something from space? Because that's something that happens in a lot of these Godzilla films is things start showing up from space. And you're like, how did this happen? But like, we're going to go there now. Um, and maybe that is the future of like this monster thing, wherever it's going to go. But I'm, I'm going for interplanetary with, with my creation. Strange. We <laughs> must have spent some time together in this life because mine's sort of close, okay. actually. Okay. Another film that not a lot of people saw that is really good that's been spoken on the podcast quite a bit and I hope to do someday. Intergalactic, interplanetary, a ship's return from hell. Oh, yeah. Event Horizon. Good choice. So after... This Maybe that's the cast. Maybe it's that one, uh, Event Horizon, and we'll f- put another movie in there that's of that vein. Alien 3? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> we'll save that for Fincher. Yeah, that'd be good. Event Horizon. Yeah, that's not a bad idea, huh? Mm-hmm. Just because we don't ever do science fiction on the podcast, it'd be good to do mm-hmm. science fiction. Yeah, there you, there you go. <laughs> so the ship comes back from somewhere deep in space, and the crew that or a crew is on a rescue mission to find the ship, and they find the ship which has been possessed. And as the crew boards it, they see the horrors that have befallen the crew that was on the ship prior to their arrival. And all hell breaks loose. And I mean that literally. Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill. Love uh, some Sam Neill. Jack Noseworthy. <laughs> um, I forget what they get. Not Ann Archer, but that chick that looks just like Ann Archer that's not Ann Archer. Um, oh, yeah. What's her name? You know who I'm talking about. I got to look it up now because that'll, bu- that'll bug me. So let's get that ship okay. and all of the powers that it possesses, heavy on the possession part of that possesses, back to Earth and introduce it to the second part of the question that will be later on. I think that could be a lot of fun. Kathleen uh, Quinlan. There you go. Kathleen Quinlan. And Jolie Quinlan. Richardson. There you go. Yeah. Matt, this is going to shock you. This is the first thing that pulled up when I looked up that movie. Mm. The movie has a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is not just. like not. I'll say that too. Why is that? I don't know. There's a story around that director too and what happened and didn't happen with that guy, which would 
I want, that I, might be a good show, Jesse. I wanted to bring that up when we were talking about Snyder because, you know, the rumors of, you know, all the things that happened on Event Horizon and this kind of alternative cut that might exist. Would that be something you'd want to see one day? Yes. Me too. I don't know if it exists in like a releasable format because the film's probably just deteriorated by, by now. But yeah, sign me up. When I tried to get that movie for my own possession, it was quite an endeavor to find it. I had to find some foreign released version of that because uh, there's ownership rights and lots of distribution issues around it. And I paid a pretty penny for that DVD. I, I'm sure it's probably easier to acquire now, but I would recommend everybody like this week, mm-hmm. go see life and event horizon. There's your home. There's your rice smile homework for the week. Yeah. I don't think you'll be disappointed with either of those. Damn. That's a good week. It is a good week. Better than the week we had. Amen to that. <laughs> So that's first part. We'll hit the the nightcap. And oh, I follow love up that. With okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about the film again, and then kind of the 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 unspoken, the elephant in the room that'll complete the nightcap question. Let me ask you another question before we head off to the happy hour. Yeah. Go ahead. Was there anything that garnered an honorable mention for you in this? In this, uh, in like the films, in the in the flight. Um. I tried to think, you know, kind of. I, I was, a part of my brain went to the China Syndrome. I don't know if that's just because I like that movie. I liked that one too. <laughs> Did a little you? Bit. Yeah. yeah, something about the nuclear. But I didn't want to like rip off Godzilla in that way because he is birthed from kind of these nuclear things, and Kong's a hollow earther or whatever. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, but uh, I did. It was that one, and, and I tried to think of maybe something birthed out of like magma. So I kind of thought about Dante's Peak a little bit or some type of volcano scenario, but. I, I, I don't know. I just went to space. I, it just sounded something like cool. I had one that I considered, and it was interesting to me because it's set in Lawrence, Kansas, so very rural, which removes all of the military pieces, but it kind of bent the rules a little bit. It's 1983 is the day after. Ooh, John Lithgow. That was a movie that really, really rocked a 10-year-old version of myself. Was that a TV movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it kind of bent the rules as not theatrically released. But in the height of cold era living... In the early 1980s, that movie was troubling, to say the least. Excellent. Didn't make it, but I thought I'd at least mention it. Good honorable mentions. Yeah. Well, we'll come back to that for the nightcap, but let's jump headfirst into the deep end of the MonsterVerse and Godzilla versus Kong. Loyal listeners, welcome to TTP Titan Truth Podcast, episode number 245. Today is the day. Maybe the last podcast I ever record. And look, I know I said that last week. And yeah, maybe maybe the week before and a few other times. But look, this is the point. After five years of deep cover at Apex Cybernetics, I'm finally taking my shot. Something bad is going on here. I don't know what it is, but I'm about to walk in and download hard evidence and expose a vast corporate conspiracy. And yeah, you can call me a whistleblower, but I ain't just whistling. I mean, this, this is more than a leak. It's a flood. And believe me, this flood... It's going to wash away all Apex's lies. You can believe that. Everyone's starting podcasts now. I mean, the little kids in Justice League, this guy in this movie's got his podcast. He's 200 episodes in. He's been doing it longer than us, Matt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But let's backtrack just a little bit and kind of catch up with our monsters and then come back to this moment. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong uh, starts out with introducing uh, Kong. We haven't seen him since Kong Skull Island. Uh I, I can't remember this is this is going to be an interesting part of the podcast because I remember Kong Skull Island and I remember Godzilla King of the Monsters, but I don't think I remember them as much as this movie wants me to remember them mm-hmm. because they refer back to a lot of things that happened in the prior films that I just can could not recall for the life of me mm-hmm. uh, while watching this. 
Did you kind of get like a sitcom vibe with Kong's introduction? Like it was the maybe there was the music he was playing, but it was almost like following yeah. Kong's daily routine. And I was like, is this like Welcome Back, Kata? Like what? Is this? But I liked it. I mean, I, I kind of like the stuff with the monsters and in their element. Yeah, they kind of showed Dad getting up and scratching his rear underneath his robe and mm-hmm. um, the showering and yeah, his his normal routine. Alan Thick from the Growing Pains, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, a bit of levity for a movie that I don't really know if it needed at that point because we're just sort of getting reintroduced to Kong because what we're about to go is immediately 180 degrees in the other direction and find that Kong is, in fact, captive in his own island. Here's an interesting thing that I would like to address as we go forward today. Okay. In a movie that has these mammoth stars, Kong and Godzilla, the opulence of them on the screen is what the film should be about. And I'm going to make an argument here, and I'll see if I can back it up as we move through the next hour or so, that when Godzilla and Kong are not on the screen, which is big and extravagant and glorious and grand, the human component in this film is played out as a melodrama. So think noon theater at... Um, some very, very off version of some Shakespearean presentation, like hack actors overwrought with crazy performances and every emotion is dialed to 11. And this is okay. The Kong bit's okay. But immediately we're going to change that because what happens? We're going to get the introduction Mm -hmm. to the conscience of Kong, which is a non-speaking little girl. Mm Mm-hmm which there's no reason to do that because she doesn't speak the language anyway. She doesn't need to use sign language other than that's what she communicates with Kong with. She has no reason to do that except to make that character more sympathetic, dramatic, yeah. sympathetic yeah. instead of just, and she shows up <laughs> to address this large gorilla with her stuffed animal version of Kong mm-hmm. and let the romance begin. I don't know why... Maybe that's why Kong Skull Island was so good. Mm-hmm. Because that it seemed like that element was completely absent from the thing. Like every other iteration of Kong from Fay Ray to Naomi Watts or Jessica Lange has this element of trying to tame the beast. I think we get it by now. You know what I mean? Like we're trying to eat, obviously we're trying to paint him as the good guy. I'll bring up my Godzilla argument on why he should be the good guy later because he's birthed from mankind's madness of science. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Hot take, Matt. Let's just get it right out of the way. I thought 15% of this movie was watchable. And that 15% is probably the part you just spoke to, which is the monsters, the the people on the poster, the people in the title card. When they're on screen and duking it out, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about those moments here coming up. I was fairly engaged. I thought it looked amazing. I thought it was exciting. Um and then you're right. The second these humans come on and then the plot, once you, and then there's, I guess you're like, Jesse, suspend your disbelief. It's Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. But the cl- plot can still like, not like be like such a clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so preposterous. And every one of these characters is completely insane. Yes. <laughs> From Alexander Skarsgård, who's an author who turns into a military general calling the shots to Millie Bobby Brown oh. running around with uh, the, the the podcaster. And uh, I think maybe the only person who I could buy in because maybe he just sold it so much was De- Demon uh, Belcher as the, as the villain. Mm. Uh, because 
he was villainy in, in his in his plot and his motto. Everyone else is just has no idea what is going on. Yep. The address that happens in that podcast mm-hmm. is an emblematic of that entire melodramatic persistence with the human component in this film. Undercover for I don't know, 200 episodes or something with a singular purpose. Like he doesn't even have casks and genres to move through like you and I do. So this guy is aggro about bringing apex and the terrible things that they are committing inside the walls of this industry was a- upon mankind. Was apex introduced in the last Godzilla? I can't even, I couldn't, I think this is a new thing. I think it was whatever company that Vera Farmiga and Lance Henriksen or whatever, not Lance Henriksen. Um, <laughs> I wish it was like Charles Dance. Charles Dance were working for. I, I thought that was Monarch. Umbrella? <laughs> That's Resident Evil. Oh shit, I can't even keep it. That was a joke. Wayland Utani? <laughs> <laughs> no, so I think- Oh, it was Recall. It was it was called Recall. That's hilarious. Um, what it, right? No, I don't think so. I think this is new. So again, we're throwing a new corporation in here that somehow has like supreme control over a like Titan- dominance they're just regulating the the titan kind of sphere of, of sorts and this podcaster is like really wanting to expose the truth which the truth we find to we'll decide if it was a cool reveal or not but uh it's, it's just we're just like treading water with all this this craziness and i think we introduced too many characters this podcaster uh kyle chandler millie bobby brown and then uh, her her uh, new zealand friend uh julian dennison Ugh, it was the elf, the yeah. evil elf in the Christmas Chronicles part two. <laughs> None of them need to be in the movie. No. I think- and the little girl, like the little girl real quick. Let's fin- let me mm-hmm. finish up with that. Yeah. If Rebecca Hall is the monster whisperer or the Kong whisperer, then you've already rekindled the Jessica Lang Fay Ray relationship with Kong that's established that we know exists and probably are comfortable with, with any familiarity in the Kong franchise as a little girl, mm-hmm. you take Kong whisperer and turn her into a version of mother. And what I would say in this film franchise yeah. is we've seen disaster upon disaster of mothers to children relationships over and over. And it's okay because no one showed up in the film to watch the maternal relationship of a not Ripley to not scout or whatever the hell the newt. Thank you, newt. (laughs) She serves the same purpose that the little girl does. And in a much more developed way, there's more ground to cover there. Everything that little girl does is what the Kong Whisperer should be able to do because that's her specialty. But nope, Rebecca Hall doesn't do anything. <laughs> no, no, she doesn't. She doesn't do anything. Yeah. She's not even Alexander Skarsgård's love interest. Yeah. They can't even get that right. Yeah. This movie is such a... Di- you said it so well. Yeah. Such a disaster with the human component. When they show up on the screen, you almost want to find the uh, fast-forward arrow on your remote Yeah, and just burn through. Because we haven't even gotten into the all the bullshit around Hollow Earth yet either. <laughs> and wait till we get to that. We'll Do you want to get some like stuff to record to put on the Insta this week? Fire it up. That's what's going to happen. We'll get there. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, okay, so we're trying to expose Apex and kind of all the, the nefarious secrets that they have. And, and the whole time we're kind of doing this, you know, the world's kind of in awe. I guess they're just fully aware. I, I my, One of my favorite parts of the film was the like breaking news story of Godzilla kind of showing up, I think in Pensacola and kind of laying some waste. I was like, 
if if Godzilla was real, if he was like a, just a real creation, it'd be the biggest news story of all time. And they would be talking about him every single day. You know what I mean? Every day would be breaking Godzilla news and just like, where's the monster yes. now? He's swimming in between Hawaii and... Uh, Chasing down Mutu. Yeah, yeah, chasing down all that. Maybe that's something that I guess I thought about you a lot while I was watching this. A lot less swimming in this movie compared to other Godzilla iterations. <laughs> yeah, and to its credit, there is actually a pretty good fight sequence that happens in the sea that kind mm-hmm. of works and I think really puts Kong at a disadvantage, and I'm sure we'll probably speak about that. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you a question about Apex. Okay. Okay, so we have this idea that this uh, Brian Tyree Henry guy that I've never seen before that plays Bernie, the podcaster that you heard early on who is atrocious in this film i would say he's the worst actor in this movie but millie bobby brown hasn't been discussed yet either she's got one role and it's like glassy-eyed on the verge of tears no matter what the scene is she's awful jesse she's my new meg ryan oh good on the list of shitty actresses millie bobby brown is number one with a bullet she is terrible (laughs) Okay, but let's not, we'll do, I'll get her yeah, later. Yeah, we'll get to that. When Mr. Podcaster hacks into the system through a little quippy conversation around GMOs and an apple to trick the IT security specialist to go to the bathroom because he's so annoying, what he uncovers is floor 33 in Apex, basement level 33. Okay? Okay. When we go down there, we see a large mechanical apparatus that is a heart or an eye. What is it? I think an eye, right? Let's go with an eye. Yeah. We also have Godzilla showing up for some nondescript reason to destroy Apex. I think we're supposed to deduce, and not to get too far ahead of ourselves, that Godzilla and his pea-sized brain... (laughs) It's smart enough to decode that that eye is going to be used in the doomsday that shows up in Batman versus Superman that this film ultimately becomes. Mm -hmm. Can I say it now or do you want me to wait? Yeah, go ahead. Mechagodzilla. Yeah. But that's never, in fact, actually identified that Godzilla is trying to do the work of preventing this terrible company Apex from creating his natural predator. He just looks like an angry lizard are they, are destroying try, stuff. Yeah, you're trying to say he's sensing like uh, yes. the Ghidorah brain that they kept there for, because uh, they're doing like a weird implantation into this thing too. Either the Ghidorah brain or the use of the eye, like Godzilla identifying that there is a rival that is being sure. used to bring him down at Apex. Well, he's he's something, because later when Kong shows up on the book, he's something somehow able to sense these titans whenever they show up and it's uh again survival of the fittest he's like someone's coming to challenge me i'm I'm gonna take him out that needs to be dressed addressed gosh addressed directly because then what you do is you keep from the you keep the audience from believing that kong Kong, come on matt that godzilla is just on the warpath because he's pissed off and just back to general toyo version of godzilla destroy humanity because i'm this mad animal Mm -hmm. he's got a purpose now the reason that that doesn't happen is for a lot of the same reasons that none of the stuff that we want to see happen in this film is because it's just too busy and too overwrought with nonsense godzilla should be ahead of the curve on this yeah and it's going to be revealed to us just how bad Apex is. And I love that you brought up the Ghidorah thing because we have a lot to discuss with that too, Monster mm. Zero. Yeah. 
because they already have kind of built this, Jesse. In my argument, yeah. you set it up so well. Yeah. Kong is housed in Skull Island in a dome with the the shower morning scene that you saw. <laughs> in a biodome. <laughs> yeah, in a, really, in Sokovia biodome. It keeps coming up. Oh, God. What is up with Warner? We're going to get to that, too. Yeah, we'll Warner to Brothers that. needs to come to church on two things. <laughs> Warner Brothers needs tangent. Let me get real quick. Yeah. Warner Brothers just needs to remake Journey to the Center of the Earth. Yeah. Because they can stop dicking around with finding ways to do that in Godzilla and Aquaman. Yeah. Just get it out of your system. Yeah, maybe that's what they really want to do. Someone right? there's like, really, that's the, the journey to the center of the earth agenda. <laughs> but Godzilla can recognize these predators that are around him that are after him. And that's why Kong is housed in this dome because it keeps his imprint or his detectability hidden from Godzilla, thus keeping Kong from being attacked by this titan. This is why I love the older Godzilla films so much because, like, there's a the human component, but, like, it doesn't. It never gets this complicated, you know? And then they bring aliens from space and, like, subterranean, like, Morlocks, and they get weird with it in the, in the Japanese version of the films. But then when Godzilla shows up, they know it's his show, and they just, like, they just go with it. And I love, like, his ra- rationale, and the thing is, like, that these monsters show up, and Godzilla just comes out of the ocean, he's like... Bitches ain't going to kill themselves. I'll go take care of it myself. And mm-hmm. it's just like apex predator, like trying to control the balance of like his dojo. Dance with who brung you. And there are two capable dance partners in this film. One is Kong and the other is Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And none of them mm-hmm. are the humans. Yeah. That was my argument from way back with the first Godzilla is quit screwing around with Brian Cranston and um, Quicksilver. Yeah. The hell's that guy's name? Aaron Taylor, Aaron Taylor John- Johnson. Yeah. And just get to the damn monster. Mm-hmm. But no, we're going to watch him swim and watch the military and their three little stupid tanks and their F-16 just get knocked the hell out of the sky over something that has the ability. Here it is, Jesse. The ability to absorb a nuclear bomb in Atlantis. Oh, yeah, that happened. To bring himself back from the dead. Do you think your little stupid rocket has it? Make is that what one, ha- is that what happened? Is, he died halfway through, and what, yes. what, Ken Watanabe went to Atlantis, yes. and yes, I forgot that. So, if a nuclear charge rebatteries Godzilla, your little tomahawk rocket has yeah, no shot. We're just we're just dicking around, wasting time, big time, big time, big time. Yeah, because they okay, we, we got Kyle Chandler coming back, pseudo Claude Rains. And Millie, oh, well said, <laughs> Millie yeah. Bobby Brown from the last film. They were the ones, uh, after they decimated, so I imagine this is a, a United States where Boston's like unlivable now. Yeah. Because they annihilated that city in the last movie. Uh, Except for Millie Bobby Brown's house. Yeah, that house was was upright. And, and it's just stand. And so, so, so th- th- their agenda is pro-Godzilla. They're like trying to find out like what makes the, mon- that's like monarchs. Monarch has like very little to do in this movie compared to the last ones. Uh, and they're trying to figure out what what's making him tick, well, how's he working, and it, the whole time it's just treading water. You know like you know what I mean? We're just going from scene to scene, and then when they hook up with the podcaster guy, they're like, there's a conspiracy theory, and they're trying to like, like, we didn't come to this movie to watch the conspiracy theory of Apex and what makes Godzilla tick. We came to watch him fight King Kong. And these scenes, I'm, I'm not kidding, people. They take up like 10 to 15 minutes of, of like the time, like when they show up, like they're so long <laughs> in the Godzilla versus Kong nonviolent pieces. There are two narratives. We have gorilla revolutionary podcast podcaster 
who has aligned himself with Millie Bobby Brown and the elf from the Christmas Chronicles, whatever that guy is. Who? Why is there an Australian or New Zealand kid in the middle of Boston? Okay, so that's the first thing. Well, they're in Pensacola now. Oh, sorry, Pensacola. Yeah. Well, that makes sense then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this, then it's forgivable. And the second one is what Apex's overriding goal is, and let's do that now. You know what this is, right? Hollow Earth. An ecosystem as vast as any ocean right beneath our feet. This energy signal is enormous. And almost identical to readings from Gojra. As our sun fuels the planet's surface, this energy sustains the hollow Earth, enabling life as powerful as our aggressive Titan friend. If we can harness this life force, we'll have a weapon that can compete with Godzilla. I need your help to find it. (laughs) I don't know if I'm the right guy for the job. To read the reviews, a sci-fi quack trading in fringe physics. Look where they put my office. Real quick, this must be addressed right now. Mm. If you're an author and you write a book and uh, doesn't sell very well, do they send you all the copies and boxes to like? It's your problem now. It's <laughs> pretty funny, isn't it? I hadn't thought about that. I, uh, I, I when he started tie, I was like, that's interesting. Okay, one more thing about Apex, and we'll dive right into the Hollow Earth and its Hollow Shell. Mm. Is Apex being paid off by some government, Japanese, American, Australian government to do this Apex part? Because why would why would Apex care? Why would they want to take down Godzilla? You know what I mean? Like, doesn't that sound like a government initiative? Like, hey, he's oh, a, yeah. he's a problem and we need to take care of it. Like, why would just some like nonprofit company be like, hey, we're gonna be the ones that take out take down Godzilla? Like, okay. what's what's in it for them? You're right. And yeah. here for all of the things you talked about trying to remember back from previous films, and I love that you can't remember how they brought back Godzilla because that is such an indictment on this series mm-hmm. with the nuclear bomb. That's crazy. Well, the, this is hilarious because... So busy, Jess. I think the film that you dislike the least, I don't know, maybe we have a new champion after this, is the the first one yeah. with Cranston. Yeah. That's the one I remember the most. <laughs> maybe because it's the most... I don't know. Yeah. It's not hard to remember an alien, or I'm sorry, a lizard swimming for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Back to the question there. It poses an interesting idea. Let's sour mash it for a minute. Okay. We've seen no shortage of military presence in any of these episodes up to this point. Can't you find the general who's not the Martian Manhunter (laughs) to show up here and champion in an off the books DOD endeavor known as Apex to create the ultimate weapon should Godzilla turn against us and we need something. Like, that is clearly where this should be. Yeah. Instead, I don't think there is. Got You asked me, I think DOD, but no, it's not. It's an independently contracted through a very wealthy individual. Creating a super weapon this that ha- the military has no idea on? This has to be Jeff like Bezos' level of wealthy because... yeah. yeah. Who I heard is in running to buy the Los Angeles Chargers. Like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm out if that happens. It's debunked. But yeah. And you, anyway, yeah, yeah, it debunked good. But, but yes, that did break this week. We have to talk because it's wealthy enough to build a hollow tunnel from Pensacola to Hong Kong. Here's the other thing to be right, <laughs> which is that's a remarkable feat. Yeah. You thought the tunnel was impressive. You have not seen Hollow Earth yet, Jesse. <laughs> So remember when you were in elementary school and you learned that there was the crust 
and the mantle and the core of Earth. All that was bullshit. I even saw a really shitty movie with Aaron Eckhart and Hillary Swank called Core, yeah, where the core too. stops spinning. <laughs> yep. None of that's true. In fact, what's at the middle of the Earth is not the core. It's the place where Aquaman's mom has been hanging out mm. and where you can find the origin point where gravity turns on itself when you need it to, but then matters when you jump through a, um, a layer of purple floating rocks to get to gravity on the other side, and that's known as hollow earth. And here is Damien Bashir's pitch to Alexander Skarsgård. Somewhere in there is an energy source that we can harness to create the super weapon. And when we get to the harnessing of that, I am going to go <laughs> off. You're talking about how they uploaded a power source through USB? To With a, a drone spider <laughs> that never even makes it back to Apex because it's crushed in Kong's hand, but somehow uploads the power source and an algorithm that allows them to power Mechagodzilla? What in the holy hell are we doing? <laughs> a spider crawls on the earth after a tomahawk is put in the earth as a key that creates a web-like vein structure of power that sucks up some blue light and transmits it back to what 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 i know there's a suspension of disbelief you have to have with these movies but like no i <laughs> oh my god they can still make sense you know what i mean yes. like that that's a stretch of unbelievable proportions just so we can get to the final battle when that's the only thing we've wanted this entire movie <laughs> can i ask you we're getting way ahead of ourselves no, but go ahead let me do this for just a minute Kong eventually, like Kong, well, actually, let me, let me back up. Let's not do it yet. Okay. Okay. So the idea is we have to use these Titans because they have a genetic memory of where they came from. And if we can just use them as the compass, that'll lead us back to hollow earth, which will give us access to this power source. So then we can create the weapon. If Godzilla goes against us, like he's doing right now, mm -hmm. which then allows Rebecca Hall, who has been the keen caretaker of Kong, She's, to put him in the most dire situation ever. Yeah. They sedate this large ape, put him on a freaking boat, which, by the way, Godzilla will recognize this imprint of this thing and kind of moves through the water. Yep. Never once considering just do it in the air. Mm -hmm. Chain him to an apparatus so that he won't turn on the people that he's cared for. And we have at this point, I think generally established like Rebecca Ferguson, not Rebecca Hall and that little girl are Kong's friends. Yeah. And we begin the trek in the water to where exactly, where is the entry point into hollow earth? I thought it was Antarctica is where they end up to Antarctica. Jesse's right yeah. to Antarctica. What? Mm -hmm. Not the Bermuda triangle. Yeah. How can, no, I'm serious. Yeah. Not the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. Where things go and just disappear into the hollow, like what in the hell is happening? The thing that uh, strikes me the most out of all of this is Alexander Skarsgård. And man, Hollywood really keeps trying to make this guy happen as like yeah. as a leading actor. And I guess I'm just not buying it. That, I want a death match with him and Joel Kinnaman. Oh yeah, that'd be interesting. And let's see who... <laughs> Who wants it more? The losers just finally out. Their careers put. To, They're out of Hollywood. I didn't care much for that Tarzan film that he was in. <laughs> the understatement of the year yeah. on Rye Smile. I didn't care much for his Tarzan film. You didn't. Maybe we'll put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> I, I didn't care much for Alexander Skarsgård in Tarzan. <laughs> who even re Who even remembers that movie? That was like a two hundred million dollar film. I think Sting did Greystoke once upon a time. Wasn't that better? Good, good. Oh, excellent.
so anyway, so I, I'm not buying him at all. Mm-hmm. And so he's this this book author, and then whenever the film needs him to like assume leading man status. Let's just get to that. We'll get, we'll get to the boat now. He just starts barking commands yep. and knows which buttons to push on the ship. And don't even and then don't even get me going when we get to Hollow Earth. And he's like, mm-hmm. I don't even know what the line is, but he's like, guns on your six. And I was like, how do you know what to say? Like, well, you're just like saying things. And then he knows how to fly that ship at the end. Yep. So convenient for the story. Like when they need it to happen for that character because we can't like relate to anyone in this film. I relate to Godzilla and that's something because he's like a... 3,000 ton nuclear reactor lizard. It's it's very, very bad story character development, which, again, I ponder the question, man, I think we're ready. We don't even need humans in this movie. Let's just do a movie with the, the, with the creatures, and they just interact, and they can be in Hollow Earth or on Earth, and let them just interact with each other. We get it through body. Can you imagine a film that has no dialogue? It's just monsters? Like, that would be pretty progressive. And... Get the humans out of this thing, because that's not what we're here for. <laughs> if you didn't know there was already a tie between the humans and Kong, let me give you another example of the overwrought melodrama to try to reinforce this in the audience. When Kong is on the boat, and they're traveling to Antarctica. Yeah. Thingland. <laughs> the little girl who is the Kong <sighs> conscience, Jiminy Cricket for Kong leaves the recesses of the ship, goes on the deck in the middle of a rainstorm and walks through the same exact waterfall, but a smaller scale version that we saw Kong bathe in to begin the film to tell the audience, hey, everybody, the ape and this little girl, they're really close, carrying her Kong doll. She walks out there and then we get in a very Renaissance art version, Hand of God, the finger extended from the little girl to the finger extended from Kong, as if this is the first time the two of them have ever communicated. Yeah. And if that is not melodramatic enough, yeah. like give me Kong checking out Jessica Lang's goods because at least that plays into <laughs> a primal piece. This is playing into E.T. phone home, magic finger, whatever the hell we're doing. It's a little E.T. Little E.T., then all of a sudden we get a line of dialogue between the two, which revolves around sign language. And here's what we come to. As if this isn't overwrought with drama enough, we come to find out that Kong <laughs> is not just sad, but sad and angry because they've taken him from his house. Do you remember? Did you ever see Congo? Mm, oh, yeah. Do you remember uh, Amy, Amy knew sign language? Mm-hmm. She would do... Amy. <laughs> yep. <I did. laughs> when she just couldn't go AMY, like just sign it. Yeah. Amy. Yeah. 16 movements. No, it was her me. voice box that said it because it was what a crazy ass film that is. But yeah, Kong knows sign language and he later knows the sign for Godzilla because the little girl says Godzilla and we says Kong knows Godzilla has a name. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I need no dialogue in this movie. I just want to see them just traverse from place to place, get into some fisticuffs. One of them needs to be the victor at the end of the day, and then and then the movie is over. So when the little girl's on this deck, which is very dangerous because there's high winds and lots of stormy weather, Mm -hmm. out comes Rebecca Hall, not to rescue the little girl, 
but to be so awestruck with the conversation that the two of them are engaged that in the midst of this rainstorm, she begins to cry. It makes Rutger Hauer's tears in Blade Runner Ooh. look significant. It's saying something from you. <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. You, like, again, to the terrible mothering habits that this franchise has been able to continuously show over and over, don't bring her in from the storm because she's about to get swept away into these ravishing seas. Mm -hmm. Just let her out there finish the conversation because this is big. This little girl has taught Kong how to communicate via sign language, and you know how that's going to matter in the rest of the film? Absolutely nada. Zero. It <laughs> won't matter one nothing. bit. <laughs> Let's get to the moment we've been waiting for, though, at least. He's coming for us anyway. He's not coming for us. Him? Then dump him. Dump the monkey. How about we throw you off instead, huh? <laughs> we have to release him. We lose Kong. The mission is over. He's a sitting duck out there. We have to let him protect himself and us. <laughs> Let me throw some kudos this film's way. This film sounds amazing. Just like, just from the roars to just the explosions. Like, everything sounds really great. The thing that always cracks me up, and I just, I'm pro-Godzilla in this argument. <laughs> so I've never, like, I like Kong's movies, but like, yeah, I'm a Godzilla. I go in all 33 of his films back there. Yeah. I love that Godzilla swims through the ocean and just his spikes, his spine, just cuts those aircraft carriers in half. Like, he's just so strong. Like, he just swims through them and they're done. But... What do you think of this first fight? Like, this is kind of exciting, actually. I mean, we finally get Kong out of the water, but these guys are able to kind of go at it a little bit. And you're right, kind of in Godzilla's element. It's in the water here to the point when we, uh, when he pulls Kong under, like, pretty looks like the death blow for Kong until mm -hmm. they release the death charges to, like, give him a fighting chance. But this is kind of exciting. Science be damned in this film, but, like, I don't think an aircraft carrier could hold up these two titans and allow them but like when when kong threw that first punch at like that was pretty like this this, pretty is, what, awesome. this is what we're here for mm -hmm. this is what the movie's about mm -hmm. yeah i'm kind of into this moment and then you know the humans are like they're like dying in their own devices flipping upside down in the in this boat here but i'm good with this yeah like we need more of this all the computer man hours made this look pretty amazing <laughs> the chains around kong's wrists are something that we've seen before early Kong. We see the chains there. I'm not sure they played that out to the way they should have. They probably shouldn't have allowed the chains to separate themselves because then when he is underwater and Godzilla is just taking him to some depth where it will be drowned curtains curtains. I think a better play is him using that chain to choke out Godzilla so that then maybe Godzilla loses some consciousness and Kong is able to swim to the surface. Because if they, although I like the depth charges and I understand the theory, if you believe that Godzilla can absorb power <laughs> and you drop a bunch of depth charges on Godzilla, I think you get to a more powerful version of Godzilla, but we're missing a really key point, and it's, it's so obvious to me. When Godzilla approaches Kong and he swims through one of the other destroyers that's part of the envoy, mm -hmm. his scales destroy it. If we go to Hollow Earth to find the power that we can use to eventually charge up Mechagodzilla past 40%, mm -hmm. 
isn't the better play to find one of the scales that's been removed from Godzilla because that serves as a device that can harness and serve as a battery and it keeps us the hell out of hollow earth. Yeah, that's pretty good. He can even make an ax out of one of them. You beat me to it. Yeah. Because he's going to do that. He being Kong is mm-hmm. going to do that later in the film. But that's a little bit ahead of ourselves still yet. We get crazy lines like dump the monkey mm-hmm. and guns on your six and all of this other shit that's going on. We need him to protect himself and us. Like everything is dialed. And I get that the boat's sinking. So you probably wouldn't speak like, hey, uh. Do you mind passing me the salt? Like, that wouldn't make sense either. Every other word out of my mouth would be the F word. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't want to die. <laughs> These fools probably deserve to die. Yeah, they do. If your version of transporting Kong, and again, it poses a question, why would Kong even support them anyway other than the little girl? Because all they've done is trap him in a biodome and now essentially sacrifice him to Godzilla mm-hmm. for the goal of using him as the conduit to Hollow Earth so they can power up their fucking robot Godzilla. Yeah. Kong is not smart enough to see that he's being used, but he's smart enough to intuitively know what Godzilla's name is. Did anybody in this room just like sit down and say, can we reread this scene in the script? Because we've got a couple problems here. Yeah. I don't think they did. Yeah. Overall though, the action bit, pretty good. Entertaining. Let's get to, uh, let's get to Antarctica and let's finally get into the hollow earth. That's what I, I was pulling that up here on, uh, I was like, I was like, how, how did this even happen? Because like, it kind of turned into, it kind of turned into 2001, a space odyssey here for a little bit. So they, they get in these like machines that are like able to like trans transverse time. Like, I don't even know what's happening right now, Yeah, but this is what's going on in the earth's core. No, that didn't you know that rush has a standing gig in the middle of the earth's core and that's the laser light show in their concert. Today's Tom Sawyer. Oh my, I wish living in the limelight. Yeah, there you have it. So, so like we're in the anti gravity of of the hollow earth, and then like you said, it's like a flip side. It's like Inception down here. So there's like a top side and a bottom side. And I'm starting to realize why Millie Bobby Brown was cast in this film because we're doing the underneath, <laughs> the upside, oh, the upside down, or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is pretty crazy. This whole hollow earth thing. Uh, and I guess we're just trying to establish at least where these things came from. Like, what was the problem with Skull Island? I mean. It's just this Bermuda. It's like the Mascara. It's this mysterious island in the middle of nowhere that no one's. It's uncharted because ships and things can't go there, and that's where Kong lived his whole life. This unchartable planet or uh, area. So he goes to Hollow Earth, and all of the forces of gravity that have destroyed Alexander Skarsgård's brothers' group that already tried to go there once are now negated because Alexander Skarsgård has a better ship. And despite Kong being a very large entity, which would then garner a heavier percentage of gravitational pull and mass, he is not turned inside out. And they descend through this hole to the core of the Earth and find hollow Earth, which is a very primal-looking place that seems to be ruled over by none other than Kong because there's a throne. Kong throne. And a trophy, Mm -hmm. a large statue of himself already there. So I guess we're determining right now that in this hollow earth, Kong is sovereign, Jesse. So what does that mean for Godzilla? 
He's king of the monsters, Matt. Weird, I know. Um, oh, man, I should. I, I took notes during this movie. I should really be reading them because they're absolutely hilarious. Um, okay, so Millie Bobby Brown and uh, the elf and uh, Brian Tyree Henry, they're doing their own investigation on level 33 of the Pensacola station. And when I was watching, they go down to level 33, and I, uh, the first thing that popped in my head, I was like, boy, I hope they don't get stuck in one of these Earth ships. <laughs> Sure enough. They get stuck in one of the Earth ships and then take a 800-mile-per-hour journey from Pensacola to Hong Kong. Through a tunnel. And why Hong Kong? I don't know. Are there conduits to other cities? Like, how convenient that the plot's going to end up there. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I said, this movie is insane. Going to the Earth from the other side. And then I said, Space Odyssey, question mark. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, the Hollow Earth looks cool, like with the purple rocks and the, the floaty whatever. But then I said, but damn, the explanation to make this happen. <laughs> Just the wording. And then Alexander Scar, whiskey on your six. You got a bogey on your seven. And I was like, this guy wrote a fucking book. Like, how's he qualified to be doing any of what he's of what's happening right now? Furthering the melodrama. Oh, big time furthering the melodrama. But uh, so we're, we're messing around here. And I want to play this clip. I, you see this. This is troubling for the film, and I can't even I can't even remember what, what the recording clips <laughs> are. That's Robo Godzilla. No, that's that's Mega Godzilla. Okay, it's time to do this: the reveal of the Mecha Godzilla, because that's what they find here in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're. You want me to go for a minute. You see, thinking? I'm thinking too hard, and I'm like I know this isn't the goal of the film, but the film is forcing me to think like just how convenient everything ends up in the city that they needed to end up in. They were building the Mechagodzilla in Hong Kong when this is like where they know everything's gonna show up at the end. Why didn't they just keep him in Pensacola? Yeah, he could fly to wherever they need him to go. But no, like everything's in Hong. Everything's neat and ordered in Hong Kong when we need it to show up in the final frames. Uh, let's talk about uh, Ghidorah's uh, brain oh, and this uh, <clears throat> the uploading of Ghidorah's conscience to the Mecha Godzilla, which this is this is kind of a bit out of, this is a little canon to like you know Godzilla lore. I mean, they made a a Mecha King Ghidorah at one point mm-hmm. uh, when they lost one of the heads. They just made a robot uh, middle one <laughs> and part robot body. So they have dabbled in this type of science before, but this is kind of crazy. This reminded me of Pacific Rim when they're like merging with the brains of the Kaiju to like upload to their robots. In fact, this is Pacific Rim. <laughs> this is the same thing that happens in that movie. I struggled with this because the reason they go to hollow earth is to find the power source that will charge Mecha Godzilla. If you're going to do that, and you create a robot, why do you need to have the telekinetic or I don't even know what the supernatural power is that allows you to, um, to the astral plane powers that are housed in the skull yeah. of Monster Zero Ghidorah in order to take over control of your robot? It's a joystick, man. Would you want one or the other? I mean, would you want the Hollow Earth power or the Ghidorah brain? 
I would argue the hollow earth power, the power source makes more sense than this tele-whatever ability to communicate with a not recognized inorganic matter with what's remnants in an organic space monster. That is, we have the shark, it's not jumped, it's jumped evil Knievel through a burning flame of bullshit. Well, just wait because... And I thought about you again because Mechagodzilla later in this film becomes sentient. He does. <laughs> if it wasn't enough. Oh man, I hear that word and I just think I just think mad and I'm just like, oh gosh, how he groans. Uh, Why but, are you doing that? But pick one. I mean, you don't need both. I mean, pick one or the other. I mean, the Ghidorah brain, I think, presents an interesting power cell of sorts. You can find a way to generate the power of the supreme titan, the supreme kaiju, uh, and then make your Mecca out of that or pick the hollow earth, but you don't need both. I think they also screwed up too. And you know, the original Ghidorah came from space. I mean, that, mm-hmm. and you're dealing with an airplane. They could have done that too. I mean, there's too much going on here. You just, just pick one so we can, but then we needed something for Millie Bobby Brown and all these other people to do. Cause you take that out. They're not in this movie, which I'm a component. Get some of this out of the film. And what I'll tell you is we still have yet to establish what exactly we saw initially at level 33 i think you and i both think it's an eyeball but it should be a heart or a brain regardless that apparatus has now been taken and transported from the holding facility in pensacola to hong kong via one of these earth ships in this this large tunnel super super large tunnel that they use for transportation Okay, all that's pretty forgivable, I guess. But again, we're back to the same thing. Did you want to use this drone? Which I'm going to tell everyone. Okay, so in, in, let's go back to Hollow Earth for a minute. But, but before we get to uh, the drone, what, what makes the power come to life is Kong pulls a Wonder Woman and mm-hmm. puts the axe in a slot that makes the power mm-hmm. come to the surface. <laughs> While just rolling around on Hollow Earth and running into a couple of interesting-looking creatures that have inhabited this area as well. Mm-hmm. Kong finds an axe, and the axe is Groot with Godzilla's, what is it, scale. Is it in the movie or our version of the movie? No, no, in the the movie. In this movie, that's supposed to be a Godzilla spot? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It lights up the same way Godzilla's do when he uses them. It absorbs, like when he, when Godzilla tries to blast him with his laser breath, he uses that to absorb it. That makes sense. So what I'm saying is they were already there, right? That's the power source that you need. So he finds this axe, and at least Kong has a fighting chance, because I would argue, you know, I like to watch the two of them fight, but I really don't think it'd be much of a match between Kong and Godzilla. He's just brawn, and Godzilla's all the brawn and can breathe underwater and nuclear blast. Nuclear breath, and right? So Kong finds this axe and wields it and sits on the throne, and we see in the backdrop a statue of Kong and we see his finger again. And there's a moment where he looks at the finger that he used to touch the little girl with as an organic matter, not as the statue. And then gets the part that Jesse mentioned. He takes this ax and it's actually not an ax. It's a key. Mm -hmm. And he puts this key into the earth and this spider web of blue energy covers the floor of hollow earth, which would be through gravity, which doesn't make any sense, but it does. And then out comes Spider drone. (laughs) Drills into the earth and gets a power source. What are you doing? Extracting a sample. 
This is a power beyond our understanding. You can't just drill into it. Actually, we can. My father gets what he wants. That's Apex property now. What? Energy signature incoming. We should be able to recreate that soon. That is the discovery of the millennium. You can't strip it for parts. Hold it. So there's satellite communication abilities in Hollow Earth back to Hong Kong. So when this robot takes a test sample of whatever the hell this power is in Hollow Earth, it's able to break down that algorithm or that data and send it back to Apex, which then is able to reimagine it, re-upload it, and link it to Mechagodzilla. And that's the final piece of power that not only takes Mechagodzilla from 40% charge capacity to 100% charge capacity, but also harnesses the sentient nature of the power in Hollow Earth, thus giving Mechagodzilla his own mind. Exactly. I am out. <laughs> Goodbye. That's, See you later. That's crap, dude. That is crap. Yeah, that's that's, that's a lot terrible. It's a lot of work to get to the moments we want, at least, you and I, which is to see the smackdown of what's been promised to mm-hmm. us. That's just a lot of wackiness to, to get there. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little checked out, too, myself. Uh, so, that, so that happened. Yeah, uploading power <laughs> through, like, a USB up to Hong Kong, and, and they're able to, to recreate it, which is, yeah, okay. What else is even crazier, though? Mm is when Hollow Earth is charged, Godzilla being very aware of the Titans around him. Oh, he drills down to... Recognizes the power from Hollow Earth, and lo and behold, takes his nuclear breath and burns a hole from the surface of the Earth to whatever depths Hollow Earth is. Direct, no missing, straight fire shot right through, boom, burns another channel in the earth there's but this point there's so many channels in the earth i'm surprised we're not having earthquake after earthquake after earthquake but it's hollow so maybe it's easier to channel through hollow than it is actual matter Mm -hmm. and godzilla literally burns a path from hollow earth back to tokyo which why in the fuck he's even in tokyo i'm not even sure at this but no hong kong we're in hong kong sorry yeah it matters little it's not pensacola yeah so that Kong and Alexander Skarsgård and they can all be reunited. But I will say this, there is one great moment, and that is in the midst of this charging of the Earth in Hollow Earth, Damien Bashir's daughter is destroyed in her Earth ship as Kong crushes it. I guess I care. I mean, I guess a villain has died. Have but you, so has the drone, Jesse. So has this film has died. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen the original Godzilla vs. Kong? 1961, I think? I haven't. 62? Super simple concept. Godzilla shows up out of the ice, and they're like, oh, my God. And, like, Japan, like, flips out because they're like, this guy's wrecked their city in two prior films. They're like, okay, we need something to, like, kind of figure this out. So they're like, what about Kong? There's rumors of this giant ape on this island. So they go to the island. They find the Kong. He fights this, like, octopus, which is a great sequence because it was a guy in a suit fighting a real octopus. (laughs) (laughs) They drug Kong. They take him on a ship. They take him to to Japan. And then they just drop him off and let him fight. And they do that once. 
Kong loses. They 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 put him to sleep, and then they take him up to the mountains, Mount Fuji, and they do it again. Movie's over. Like you you had to find a Titan to find another Titan. In this one, it's like we have so many Titans in the world, and we just got to figure out something what to do with them. And it's so complex for its own good. I mean, with a title like Godzilla versus Kong, man, keep it, keep it simple, stupid. Like seriously, yeah. And the line that the daughter says, my father gets what he wants. is <laughs> just so plastic and shallow and so melodramatic. My father gets what he wants. And at any cost, we will burn through. Like, it's just, it's so busy. Again, you don't need that. These people can be grounded and simple. You said it's simple, so I'll use it. Because the monsters are complex and melodramatic just by the size and the nature of who they are. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... And we, we didn't even get into this. Kong finds his way to Hollow Earth through nearly freezing to death in Antarctica. And once again, the humans that seem to care so much for him lie to him saying, hey, your family's down that tunnel. You should go see. That's exactly what they say. And he's like, all right, I guess I'll go see if my family's down there. And of course they're not. And the manipulation of Kong continues. And this ape who is reasonably too ignorant to see that he's being manipulated, but yet smart enough to know that Godzilla's, Godzilla's name is Godzilla, mm-hmm. just follows along. And then we go through that, the bit through the tunnel that you were talking about. Okay, so now Godzilla has burned a hole, which provides a direct exit back to the battle we've been waiting for, but Kong now has his axe, because I guess he took it out of the earth before he left. He must have. <laughs> to take on Godzilla for time number two. Yeah. So maybe now we're to something that's good. It is good. I I, is. I enjoyed this. I mean, you know, they light up Hong Kong. I'm like, man, what a Tron looking city. I mean, it's just neon everywhere. Looks great as a backdrop for like a SmackDown fight, but Asian Vegas, huh? Hey, oh yeah, good. Well said. Looks great. Uh, yeah, this moment's pretty good. And like, okay, so then we, we've talked a lot about building destruction a lot in the last couple of weeks with like Superman. Yeah. Maybe that's just I just don't expect it from Superman. You know what I mean? Because I think of Superman two and like, like Zod the people like, and he leaves to the Fortress of Solitude. So it turns me off in Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. But I expect a lot of collateral damage in these because these things are so big. I mean, yeah, yeah. You take one step to the left, and there goes the building. There goes the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So, oh my God, uh, Hong Kong gets absolutely ravaged in this in this sequence, and we get some night you know, the, the atomic breath and this and that. Um, and actually, I think my favorite moment of the movie, which is just a, a shouting match between both Titans. So this is actually, dare I say, a poignant moment of this film because this actually happens when Godzilla's... All he needs to do is breathe his atomic and con's done. Mm -hmm. He's got him pinned down with his little... With his paw, his foot, (laughs) and just lets him have this shout like, say, hey, I beat you. And then they kind of have this moment. And, you know, Godzilla could take him out, but there's almost kind of like a mutual understanding of each other's power. And he, like, shows some mercy, shows some restraint. And he's going to go on his way. Yeah. This is why I'm convinced we don't need humans in these movies because you can have a a, a moment like this with nothing. <laughs> it's all sound. 
It's interesting because I think Kong... Okay, in the first battle that happens in the water with Godzilla and Kong, Godzilla gives up the fight because Kong, although he plays possum and they all pretend like they're out of power and they're wrecked, he submits. So Godzilla is a titan with quite the ego, and as long as he's able to stand on the altar of Almighty, then if you're not evil like Rodan or Monster Zero or Amutu or name any of the other ones that are coming or are not coming. Megalon. <laughs> well, Legendary said they don't know where to go with this. They have made no plans going forward. How do you not know where to go with this? Go to space, man, and bring some of these other crazy people into it. Well, they introduced a bunch of other monsters already at the end of Godzilla. Remember all like that? Oh, yeah, they were all Wally bound. Mammoth they and... were all bound before him. You know who was always one of my favorite uh, monsters that they created? And it was, I guess, when they wanted, Toho really wanted to be very environmentally savvy with their films. But it was uh, Hedora, the smog monster. Yeah. And it was made from all the just pollution in Japan. I actually have seen that. Kind of a formidable opponent for Godzilla, though. I mean, there's some points where I'm like, is he, is Godzilla dead? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. he essentially has to, like, dry him out, dehydrate him, like you would a piece of jerky, and then rip him apart with his, like, atomic, it's, that movie's actually, that, that's a good one. That's a, one of the better of the older series. Did y'all just hear that? Yeah. This guy has quite the knowledge of James Bond and Godzilla. What a bunch of great knowledge in my brain. <laughs> to you. Some might say a misspent youth. I would say genius. <laughs> so Kong's done. Godzilla's got him. Yeah. Got the better of him. And this is even after, with the axe, Kong has jumped in the air after absorbing Godzilla's nuclear breath and whacking Godzilla right in the leg. Like he gives it to him pretty good and Godzilla still. I thought he still, hit him in the face. Okay. He gets a he gets he a gets, heavy cut at him. Yeah. Is that maybe like maybe we're getting into a little transformeries thing cuz I thought it was leg, you thought it was face. Is it just a miasma of matter? I don't know. It could have been I looked the other way or went to write a note down. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Either way. Yeah. The end result of that is some God, mercy. Yeah, Kong is pinned under Godzilla's foot, and it's, like you said, it's a moment and it's over. And then they have the primal scream match where Godzilla says, I got you, and Kong says, I don't submit, or whatever that version of is. Mm-hmm. And then Godzilla just leaves him alone. Good thing for Godzilla, because he's going to need Kong in a minute. But here's the thing. Through blunt force trauma, Jesse, okay. Kong's heart is ceasing to beat. Through blunt force trauma? Yeah, he's like a wrestler. <laughs> what in the... <laughs> but enter Mechagodzilla. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Director Russell's daughter. Yes? You caused all of this. If by all of this you mean I, and I alone, have given humanity a chance against the Titans, then yes, I will own that title. Godzilla had left us in peace. You provoked him into war. There can only be one of them. There can only be one. Seems to have been providence. (laughs) Mm, Whatever. So Mechagodzilla claims sentience because uh, the... Well, something happens in in the boot-up process because the guy in the suit, like, Mm -hmm. it, like, overcharges or, like, something crazy happens. uh, And uh, I think the elf had something to do with that. And, like, he, like, fries. So then, like, the brain is just, like running amok now and then the mecha godzilla did you like the look of the mecha godzilla what do you think he looked he looked pretty cool i did that's yeah. a nice looking robot yeah i was i was i was like what, what what's this gonna gonna look like in its final form and yeah i was i was buying it 
But yeah, you're right. Good thing Godzilla didn't kill Kong because they're going to have to team up here. Well, Mechagodzilla shows up, and for the first time to this level, boy, Godzilla gets it handed to him. Mm-hmm. Mechagodzilla with his tail and his um, scales that emit a very powerful charge just is pummeling Godzilla. He's got like this like rotating fist. It's like, mm-hmm. like spins it, and then it's like an uppercut. <laughs> See, this is... Okay, so let's talk about this. Okay. This is the space that makes the Godzilla Kong stuff worth watching is when you show up with the new cool-looking monster Mechagodzilla cool check. Mm-hmm. What skill set do they bring that Godzilla has to figure out? Check. Sure. Rotating fists, powered scales, tail with laser, whatever. Like However you build that, mm-hmm. that's what's fun to watch. Yeah. Because now what you're creating is essentially, whether it be WWE or superhero versus superhero, you get skill set X versus skill set Y. And about the time you figure out Y is about the time you've undone that bad guy. And the only thing that's stopping you from any more story is coming up with a brand new villain who shows up with skill set M. Mechagodzilla is everything that Godzilla does better. Mm -hmm. Godzilla doesn't have rotating fists. He just has fists. Yeah. And so Mechagodzilla is just kicking the hell out of Godzilla. Well, they had that moment where they're doing like the breath off and like the breaths are like firing against each other and like Mechagodzilla just goes, he just like pushes Yeah. And like, it just like, yeah, eviscerates him almost pretty good. I'm on board. And this, this is exciting. And Kong. Okay. So Kong's dead dying. Oh, this part. And then, so the little girl goes up and was like, he's dying. And she like feels the earth and feels, feels the beats. But then Alexander Skarsgård's like, I'm going to go jumpstart his heart with this ship. So the ship that was not crushable by reverse gravity becomes the defibrillator. Yeah. So they put it on Kong and begin the countdown. And Alexander Skarsgård tells mother, give me 35 seconds. And mother begins the countdown. And as he's running away in slow motion, there are tears in his eyes. (laughs) And then the ship explodes. Kong is defibrillated and back to all of a sudden mighty Kong Mm -hmm. after he replaces his shoulder that's been dislocated, which is kind of a gruesome scene. I have to do that too. Like, like I got a, I got a bad old sports wound. Uh, Is that true? You just bang it into a wall? No, I don't bang it into a wall, but like it, like it'll dislocate if I like, if I put a jacket on wrong, like if I like do the wrong range of motion, it'll like, really? Yeah. And you just kind of have to like let it sit. And I don't, I don't go that extreme, but I'm just like, I just kind of got to like do the motion to get it to go. Cause like, it's just like, you feel the tendons and the like, just the, everything rubbing together, and it hurts so bad. That happens that frequently to where you have a little way to just adjust it back yourself. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It happened one time when I was watching an NBA game, and I was so frustrated at the outcome that I like slammed my fist on the bed, and it. And I was like, ah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. And that happened when you were playing little league baseball. No, that happened playing. This one happened playing Power Rangers with my cousin. I got kicked oh, yeah. off the. Couch. I remember telling me that story. Damn it. It's just something you got to deal with now. But wow. Um, but yeah, I saw Kong. I did write a note. I was like, hey, that's like what I have to do. <laughs> My shoulder gets knocked out. <laughs> so the ship explodes. Kong is defibrillated. And Alexander Skarsgård gets knocked down and skinned his knee and sits up to then come to some state of cogent coherence in Rebecca Hall's arms. And we have the makeshift family that's only more dysfunctional than Millie Bobby Brown's family share a few moments of tears 
because they got knocked to the ground in some concussive distant blast. Meanwhile, we're back to the battle where Kong sees Mechagodzilla destroying his frenemy and shows back up with his axe to help his friend survive the day. It was cool. I kind of, I, I, you know, I, I really wanted to kind of, you know, come to some type of consensus on this thing because I, well, I do appreciate a film like Freddy versus Jason where these two guys, they just go at it. AVP. Yeah. And like, there's a, a victor at the end, like some type of winner. And like, I kind of was like, are they going to kill one of these guys? And if they were going to kill, kill Kong, because like, who's he fighting? Some Pteranodon in hollow earth. Like Godzilla's got like the Godzilla lineup deep of jet Jaguar. Like, well, I mean, we could get nuts with these characters. Uh, so kill him if you're going to kill anybody. But, um, I was like, in a versus film, you kind of want to, you know, Batman versus Superman. Like, are you going to kill him? Like, I, I kind of wanted him to kill Superman and go listen to that episode on why. Uh, but uh, I kind of like this little team up moment. I mean, this is, uh, we've already showed the humanity within Godzilla, which everyone just, the fans just think is non existent that he's just like this, like, brute force lizard. But they team up, they use some good teamwork and. They make it happen. They 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 pump they they and they beat Mechagodzilla. They chop he chops them into little itty bitty pieces. Yeah. yeah, so a nice moment. Poor Hong Kong though. Jesus, I can't imagine the mess they're gonna have to clean up. But we have our, our nice family reunions with this newly created family, and then Millie Pot and Kyle Chan and Monarch somehow ends up in Hong Kong too because he's right there for the action as well. Did you stick around for the post credit scene when Vera Farmiga shows up with Miles Dyson from Interpol or Skynet <laughs> or wherever the hell they were hanging out? Did you see that? I did not see that. That's on the director's cut that I have on my uh, HBO Max oh, Plus Plus. Goodness, <laughs> Zack Snyder directed it. I would lose it if that was real. <laughs> I forgot Vera Farmiga was in the last movie. I kept waiting for her to show up. You, there's a picture of her in this. Is there? Yeah, she's on one of the um, billboards well, in one of the walls somewhere. Well, because it came up in the film where they're like, "Oh, you're the the mother of the Brian, Brian Tyree Henry." He's like, "Oh, your mom was that," and I was like, "Who played her mom? Like, who was it?" And I had I had to look it up. I was like, "Oh, yeah, it was Vera Farmiga." I the Claude Rains of female actresses, Vera Farmiga. And she died in the movie, right? I don't know. I don't. Who can remember? Yeah, okay. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. <laughs> Couldn't remember that movie. But it wraps up, you know, um, I, was, I, was, I was like, are they going to do like a handshake, these two monsters? Are they going to do a Predator, Carl Weathers, and Schwarzenegger? Or are they just like clutch fists in midair? That'd been pretty cool. Yeah. But no, it's just kind of almost, they don't even nod. Because how silly would that be? It's just almost just like a mutual understanding. You go your way, I go my way. And we're done with this. So just who's got, Lindsay Buckingham and who's Stevie Nicks in that? Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> they go their separate ways. Godzilla back to the ocean. We cut to black and then fade back in with um, Kong and this hollow earth terrarium. Well, he has more free space at least. And then I've met, uh, since I've watched this film, I've had this song stuck in my head mm-hmm. since uh, the, the Hollies, the air that I breathe. Do you like, do you like that song? I love them actually. Yeah. We had to talk about them a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. I like I like this song. It's it, it, it's silly. I mean, we're getting back to the sitcom ending for Kong. I mean, here's here's Alan Thick getting ready for bed again. Uh but I, I kinda like the the just the parting shot with Kong. I hate that it's in Hollow Earth because of just how preposterous the road to get to that was, but uh I guess I'm okay with it. After y'all finish watching this movie, make sure you get on the Hollies and check out Pay You Back Later. That's a band that was really close to being amazing, but it's a strange choice of song. And I don't know if that should be the song other than more of a drum beat that's 
kind of Kong proper, because I think Kong has finally found a place where if he was sad being sequestered in the blister of dome-like life on Skull Island, he's returned to his ancestral roots. Well, you said Rush. Maybe it should be Tom Sawyer. <laughs> Why not? That's a weird, like that sort of happy, haunting melody does not play here. Yeah, it's, it's almost it's almost playful. But that's kind of the vibe they've been going with him a little bit. That's a, bad ch- uh, that's a great song, poorly used. Okay. Um... And I guess Hong's just going to hang out, Kong. Hong is, Kong is just going to hang out in Hollow Earth, and the humans are going to come and go as they see fit in Hollow Earth. I understand for franchise reasons why that would be a concept they would keep in, because then Hollow Earth allows a breeding place for other large titans to arise from. Well, you had a film called Kong Skull Island. You'll probably have a film called Kong Hollow Earth now. <laughs> and I think that's a space that Kong fits in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I made the comparison off mic to Batman versus Superman with Batman, Kong, Superman, Godzilla, mm-hmm. Mecha Godzilla, yeah. Doomsday. Yeah. And I think it fits <laughs> in a certain way. No, it's, it, it it really, kinda, and the they beats, have to team up to, to fight it, yeah. Kind of the beats sort of fit there. Kong is effective when he's taking on like the skull crawlers or like you said, a large octopus or something jungle related. When we're getting three-headed monster Ghidorah Monster Zero, you need Godzilla plus some. Yeah, Mothra. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I guess it's an appropriate ending for where the franchise might want to go next, but that gets into the frustration of what's next. I don't know what's next. Yeah. I want to talk about Warner Brothers for just a minute. Okay. Do you think I made my case for the melodrama of the acting from the oh, human component? Absolutely. In this? I want it out of this movie. Okay, so maybe I can leave that alone then. I'm not exactly sure how you can take something that's titled Godzilla versus Kong and allow what the movie says it is to make up per your quotient here, 15% of the film that works, which I agree with. And then when the movie is done, like recognize like, man, this is kind of messed up and there's way too much human stuff in here. And what's this hollow earth bullshit? And, look at each other in the room and say, we have this contract with HBO max to where they're going to put out whatever we want, which helps with distribution Mm -hmm. and P and a and look around the room and say to each other from legendary, my lips to God's ears. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's next. And that's two. think about this now, two franchises, huge worlds that they've managed to destroy in a span of six months. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, maybe we go back to the original version of Justice League, but with the Zack Snyder version, like that was the... Too little, too late. Not even two months, man. Like six weeks. Three weeks. When did Justice League come out? Like, like three weeks. Yeah. They've killed off the Titan universe and DC. I have a question. What is going on? Yeah, at War- it is time to clean house yeah. at Warner Brothers. Absolutely. You pissed off Christopher Nolan? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you guys doing over there? Okay, so we got to talk about it, because I have a question for you, because, well, A, we didn't agree with the model because we want movie theaters to still survive and have that experience, but HBO Max has been beneficial for us, and they're releasing at least new content that we can see and expose yeah. ourselves to. Thanks for that. Let's give it a, let's, let's be fair to that. But to that, do you think maybe part of the decision-making in the releasing of this HBO Max content was in the quality of its content? Did they just kind of say, hey, look at these films. They're not very good already. Let's just put them out there. 
Because you know what HBO Max is? Yeah. Yes, because you know what HBO Max is? Yeah. Critic, critic proof. Yeah. Especially in a pandemic when no one can go to the theaters. Yeah. It's a built-in audience that's dying for anything. And where a large part of people's lives is in the paper or whatever place you go to looking at what the reviews for what are released on Friday, mm-hmm. that's not in play anymore. Because it's released on a Thursday or yeah. Wednesday. And they insulate themselves from... I can't imagine this was getting great reviews. Two stars out of four, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And and that's but also we got also speaking. I mean, this is a film that I think demands to kind of be seen on like a large format. I mean, you want to yes, see these guys on for a, sure, not in my living room. So it's it's diminished in its in its product as well. But you take Wonder Woman eighty four, mm-hmm. this one, Justice League, ju- Justice League, and then you didn't see it, but. Dear God, the little things with Jared Leto and Rami Malek. This week. I'm on it this week. Oh, well, it's gone now. It, you missed the 30-day window. That's it. I'm back to therapy again. <laughs> God dang it. But just, even, just got out. But even that wasn't good. And I didn't see Tom and Jerry, but like I think they just almost said, like, man, this, what we have anyway is like not great. We may as well just get it out. because Mortal Kombat, right? That's the next Yeah, one. that's the next one. 16? April 16? Yep. I wonder. I, I, I do wonder. I'm worried. Mm. You know, I'm worried. Yeah. Conjuring three. Yeah. That's uh, early June. Yeah. I want that to be good. Cause we're very high on the prior entries on those and those franchises following a pattern here. Yeah. Maybe that's an outlier. <laughs> maybe it's not. James Wan's not direct in the director's chair for that one. So, right. Yeesh. Oh no. Again, how did you screw that up when you finished the conjuring one and you left all of that ripe, fruit on the tree to be picked with all of those artifacts we both will agree that conjuring two is not as good as conjuring one oh, no, I, I the, the part of me actually i think i prefer the second one to the first one Ooh, controversy on the show maybe we have another cask but <laughs> <laughs> we do actually <laughs> the third one oh no jesse i know i know you Let's, can't you can't let that franchise die because it's horror it doesn't cost as much and you got to keep something. I mean, you can't piss away DC, the monster verse, throw Nolan to a different studio and hope to have anything else. They're trying to resurrect Harry Potter. You know what I mean? Like that. We haven't even talked about fantastic. (laughs) We talked about the frustrations in this. And when we get off this for the Patreon event, we're going to cut the Falcon and the winter soldier. So we'll hit that too. But this was a frustrating week that we talked about. And here was my, I guess you can say hot take or, or surmised, realization about warner brothers Mm -hmm. i'm getting really frustrated with that company of saying here's what all movies are a through f grading wise or uh, single barrel through or top shelf through rock gut Mm -hmm. and then creating a separate ranking system for warner brothers that starts off well for warner brothers it's this this is one of the titans in the industry, and we would not yeah. be where we were at film without them. No way. It goes back to the origins of Warner Brothers and their reluctance to do some of the genres that they chose not to do in the early days. Mm-hmm. Do they need to return to the drama model that they had and get out of what this is? I mean, I didn't see the small things, but Warner Brothers had a formula that worked up until about like 75 and then they started to change and they made some good films, but they started to expand what they did. Like Fox was always a little bit more ambitious and a little bit more epic in the the traditional sense. Mm -hmm. Warner brothers was a little tighter, a little more character driven. 
Absolutely. Is there just something in the machinations of Warner Brothers hierarchy to where they're better suited for Sunset Boulevard, even though it's not really one of their films, like that kind of character piece versus Godzilla versus Kong? Because that needs to be at Sony. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Well, the last time Godzilla was at Sony, we got the Matthew Broderick Godzilla, and that's a story for another day. But I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Uh, I think they're just in a franchise conundrum right now and trying to keep up with Marvel and like whatever else is doing. And, I, and I, that's, that's a bad model to make. Just go make good movies because um, they have some decent properties behind Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, DC, Godzilla, The Conjuring. They got some stuff behind them. I mean, just go focus on just make some quality stuff. But you're right. Like maybe a return to form of some more cerebral character-driven dramas in the vein of, like, a Dirty Harry, that's Warner Brothers, Bullet, you know, like, those types of films. And maybe, yeah, maybe they can find their form again. Maybe they're chasing the luck that was Harry Potter. Mm. Because that, you know, that had seven scripts or eight scripts already written for you, which would just be adapt the novel. Mm-hmm. With a undyingly loyal fan base. We didn't even talk about... uh Another pseudo franchise that they've tapped into recently, and that's Stephen King with the It films and uh, Doctor Sleep. Like they, they have like his whole banner under their umbrella as well. We have a bit of a different take on It. I would need. I wouldn't say either one of us absolutely loved it, but neither one of us is going to say it's trash either. It's <laughs> It is a masterpiece compared to some of this other stuff. Yeah. <sighs> Jesse, but that, that's a lot of IP to be playing around with. You know what I mean? Maybe, that's what I'm saying. And maybe you've gone too far. Yeah. Is A Star's Born, was that Warner Brothers? It is, yeah. Okay, so yeah, right. Do that. <laughs> it's really hard. Mm-hmm. I'll forgive the Justice League because that is an unforgiving fan base. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to screw up Godzilla versus Kong. Because all you have to do is not catfish me or Paranormal Activity 3 me with that film. Mm -hmm. Didn't quite get to the levels of Paranormal Activity 3 where they lied and made fake trailers and shit. No, and I knew there would be a human component. I just didn't know it would be as preposterous as the one in this one. You have to let the action subside to make the next action bit matter. Yeah. But you can't make it so much that, again, and I'd be really curious now to go back and time out the actual monster battles in this film in the context of, I think, 155 was the runtime on this movie. Yeah. It can't be more than 20 minutes. No, it might be less. 10% of the movie is 15. Right? Yep. So you're right. Like 15% seems ballparky in this moment, fairly accurate. Mm-hmm. They're stealing, they're they're larcenizing their own projects. Yeah. Micromanaging their own projects. Get out of the way well, and I'm, let those two dudes beat the shit out of each other and let me be happy. I don't care about any of that other pseudo-cerebral that you didn't know what to do so it played as melodrama nonsense. Let these two titans duke it out. And all you have to do is find three places. Here's what you do. Kong wins the first one. Godzilla wins the second one, and we have standalone champion of the third one. Use Frazier and Ollie if you like. Yeah. Pick three cool locations to do it in, and even do it in Hollow Earth. Why not? And then just do your human stuff in the transportation in between. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. really simple. And you make us like a 105-minute movie, Yeah, and we're all really happy at the end of the day. Exactly. 
I don't need axes that are imbued with Godzilla scales, which don't even make sense as to why that's even there, unless we're going to do some sort of time heist thing. Oh, goodness. I don't need Alexander Skarsgård going from... In this movie. (laughs) To that repressed author (laughs) to military mastermind. I certainly don't need Millie Bobby Brown drinking bottle after bottle of thermal flask monsters as she listens to distracting podcast revolutionary gorilla idiot gu gorilla not go gu gorilla idiot yeah it's frustrating you know it's very frustrating uh it's because i was looking forward to this and maybe i'm fortunate that it did come out on hbo max because i would have seen this in imax and you know ticket there's like 40 dollars right there you know what i mean so maybe i'm grateful (laughs) at the end of the day good point but popcorn would have been good though oh absolutely Drench me in butter. Yeah, yeah. No, me, not the popcorn. <laughs> Just Ooh. kidding. It's getting hot in here. No, um, controversy. Th- th- this is why Godzilla, uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, the originals. Uh, there, that's what I want to say. There was a great callback. I mean, there's a moment where Kong jabs the staff of the axe in Godzilla's mouth. Mm-hmm. There's a great moment in the original where he sticks like he grabs a tree out of the ground, shoves it in Godzilla, and it's so comical. There's probably memes and gifs about it all over. But a nice little callback to that little moment. But mm-hmm. yeah, if you want to see those guys face off in a much less scaled down version, it's dudes in suits. It's fun. It's and, and that's what these films I think should be at the end of the day, not yeah. taxing on my brain. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite tasting note of Godzilla versus Kong? Yeah, I do actually. The opening bit when Godzilla is pulling Kong down underneath the water, I thought that was really appropriate. In a Titan proper manner to watch those two guys fight. Absolutely, yeah. Godzilla would try to drown Kong, and then Kong would get Godzilla on the land and beat the shit out of him with the environment. Like that's that's how that so I'll give it to that the first battle sequence there. And I'm actually as much as I kind of ribbed it a little bit, the idea to survive the day that when it's over, have Kong play possum and we'll pretend like we're out of power. Godzilla's defeating. So hopefully he'll leave us alone. <laughs> that was a little silly. Yeah. But that's about all you got. Yeah. Cause those turrets and those, bu- none of that's going to work. Mm-hmm. So I will give it to that first bit. Cause I thought that was really well scripted and that punch. Yeah. Pretty good. That's trailer gold <laughs> gold. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. So yeah, that's now, mine. Now that you said these like different and fired in different environment, they probably could have had like another like bash in Antarctica too. Like that could have been, that could have been fun. Neither one of them are suited to battle in the cold and Kong addresses the cold early on when he first gets there. Like mm-hmm. you start to see him shiver. Yeah. Yes. Do that. That could have been good. Mine is probably the, the moment, the sound clip I played where they're like roaring at each other. Kind of silly, but like I get it. And I love, I love hearing Godzilla roar. I wish that was my ringtone. Uh, hmm. but it's kind of a nice kind of, it was a mutual understanding of both monsters that like, I can kill you, but I'm not. And there's kind of like some mercy there. You know what I mean? Like, and it, for these pea sized brain kaiju to have some mercy, that's big. That's more character development than any human gets in this movie. So to that, uh, what's yeah. the, oh my God! moment of Godzilla versus Kong. When Millie Bobby Brown and her New Zealand elf and the podcast guy show up in the battle arena for Mechagodzilla versus the Skullcrawlers. And they are running around in a wide open environment. And no one notices that they're there. So when they get off Jesse's Earth ship that he mentioned and they Mm -hmm. arrive in Hong Kong, Mm -hmm. they get put into 
the Colosseum, essentially, where they're testing out the powers of Mechagodzilla. Mm-hmm. And these three fools are running around with scroll crawlers yes. and all of this other stuff that I just, I just rolled my eyes and thought, what are, what are we doing? What are we doing? Well, if you alone take their plot line out of the movie, I mean, we could shave like 25 minutes out of this thing. And the movie wouldn't suffer at all. It wouldn't. You wouldn't even know. <laughs> right. Mine's also related. It's the Earth's, Earthship travel from Pensacola to Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. I have suspension of disbelief. Don't get me wrong. You have to with this movie. You, you do have to. And we, we got hung up on a lot of things that are just absolutely preposterous. But that one, of all the things... Pensacola to Hong Kong, the amount of work, the physical man hours and money that would tie into a project like that. Dude, go cure cancer with the money it would take to build that project. Exactly. <laughs> oh, God. Like, I was just like, I was like, it couldn't have been Seattle to Tokyo. Like, something a little closer oh, that makes a little more sense. Well, the rumors are on the sequel. It's Wichita to London. <laughs> Not true. Oh, goodness. yeah, no, that's bad. Yeah, that's just it's, bad. it's too much. It's like it's like you know when we because when I said last week with dark dark side with uh, his fifty thousand uh, contract, I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess that's reasonable. If it was fifty million, I'm turning the movie off. Like you gotta like you gotta like find a balance between the implausible and the super ridiculous. Pensacola to Hong Kong is super ridiculous. You gotta go underneath Mexico. Like what are you guys doing? <laughs> Doctor Evil and his one million dollar plot is one of the best tropes of a villain. In all comedy, right? Mm-hmm. And somehow they're doing the same thing and they can't recognize that they're doing it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's okay, good. I like yours. Who's the master distiller on Godzilla V Kong? <sighs> oh man. Um it, it's, all right, I'll give you one. Okay. I don't know who it is, but whoever it was that built the trailer. Mm. that got me as interested and as hyped as they did because they created trailer gold out of very, very limited action between the two Titans. I don't know who that person is. Some some editor of some sort. Yeah, Whoever that person is, that's my master distiller. And there's an art to making trailers nowadays that make movies look amazing. And yeah. then you see them and you're like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Mine's going to be a, a just, I guess, I, a, a little bit more personal. There's a musical artist that I've been listening to his music for about five or six years, just kind of like independent, like synthesizer guy, Matt, he actually follows us on our rice mile page on, on Instagram. Oh, nice. His name, his, his name's, uh, the, the name of his group is just him. It's makeup and vanity set. He actually had a song featured in this film. He didn't do the score, but he, one of his, uh, creations was used in the film. So to you, man, I mean, like, Kind of, kind of making it into a big film. Like I got to give kudos to you, man. I've been listening to your music for a long time. That's awesome. That's cool. Right on. Yeah, makeup and vanity set. Check him out on on Spotify or anything. Like he does music for just different creations. It's a lot of synth heavy. Like if you like, like you know, Daft Punk, Tron soundtrack. It's that like Chemical Brothers retro synth kind of sound. I I love his music. Cool. Really cool. So cool. awesome. Yeah. Good job. Makeup and vanity set. Because I can't give it to anything in this movie. <laughs> I'll give it to like the 2000 people that like visual effects. These guys that made them look amazing. How many films do you think we've covered on this podcast? 125, 130. I think this is episode 116. It's probably a few shots in there. So let's take 10 off. Maybe yeah. 50. So like over a hundred films. Yeah. Is this in the bottom 10 of films we've ever watched on this podcast? I don't know. We've covered some doozies. Well, we've done two rot gut casts on purpose, but I think it's, it's probably in the 10 to 20 range. 
Yeah. Bottom 10 to 20. It's right there with the last Godzilla film. For me, yeah, you were a little higher on it than I was, but like this kind of just, oh man, it's just like, there's like, and I'm a huge fan of these movies. Again, I'm not like the hater of like the Godzilla. Like I just literally said, I own all 33 Godzilla films. I mean, like I've loved this character since I was a child and as silly as it gets sometimes, I mean, this was the, the, the potential that's not being met is the frustrating aspect. And that's kind of what you spoke to too with Warner Brothers and whatnot. What this could be, is not what I'm seeing on the screen. I'm not an executive, and I'm not going to pretend that I'm so wise as to understand how movie studios go about making money, but here's one thing that I'm sure of. Mm -hmm. Having a loyal fan base that will continually watch every movie you put that has title on it is exactly what horror is built of, Mm -hmm. and that's what's kept it afloat for since Nosferatu. Yeah. All you have to do is make an entertaining popcorn movie because that's all Godzilla Kong is supposed to be Mm -hmm. with enough of a hook at the end to pose the question of like, oh my gosh, what's that going to mean for the character going forward? Mm -hmm. And you keep this thing going for how many Toyo films did you say? 33? 33. Well, that they chose level 33 in this too. Is that a nod to them? Probably because, well, so you have the the legendary batch, which is three Mm. or four. You have the American Godzilla, which is the one crazy thing. And then the rest is Toho. Yeah. That's interesting. That's probably probably right. That's probably the Easter egg right there. Probably is. Yep. And with those 33 films, I'm not as well versed in this as you are. Give me a ballpark number of how many new villains have been created for Godzilla. Are we talking 20 plus? We might be in the fifties. Who's the little Ankylosaurus-looking guy? Oh, on Angramite? No. Angris. Angris? Yep. There you go. There's the next one. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of a good guy, too, isn't he? Yeah, he's like his, like, pal. It's like his Robin? <laughs> yeah, it's like his his pal Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> <laughs> you have it right there. You do. All you got to do is not screw it up so much that the ship won't get out of the harbor. Like, just don't anchor the ship with its own weight. And I, they I can't thought, get out of their own way. I thought Rodan survived the last He did. He's he did. still alive. I don't know why he didn't show up in this in some he's capacity. He's still alive. Yeah. Rodan did survive. Okay. And Ghidorah, if you're going to use the brain and the skull, like, you can build that back, too. And how? Well, I, mean, I, I told you they could do a Mecha King Ghidorah, too, so... There's just so many. It's maddening to me. Yeah. Like, I want these to be good. Mm-hmm. They've mostly let all us down in, from Matthew Broderick going forward. I guess the Jack Black one's okay, right? Or oh, the Kong? Peter Jackson one? Yeah, that yeah, one's okay. I, I like that one. That one's okay. Yeah. They've just continued to let us down and let us down and let us down and let us down to the point now to where the discussions last week were the executives at Legendary all shoulder shrugging say, yeah, I don't know. How, what do you mean you don't know? No. What do you mean you don't know? Just hire an expert that just like, that's the Godzilla expert and just have him just like supervise the writing of your story and just like get the nuggets in there that we want. But anyway, if 61 was Godzilla versus Kong, this is a tough question if you don't know it. Yeah. What's next? What was the next one they did after that? I think know? it was either it was either Godzilla versus the Thing, which is Godzilla versus Mothra, or it was Ghidorah the three-headed monster. I think it was the Mothra one first. Okay, there's some play there. Just follow that that formula. Yeah. The frustrations. Wait till we do Falcon and the Winter Soldier in 30 minutes. Oh goodness. <laughs> Are you gonna rate and grade? Godzilla versus Kong. We have Rocket, Well, Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. 
that 15 to 20 minutes of the monsters fighting is going to keep it from rot gut to me because that's entertaining and what the movie should be. It's just so sparse Mm -hmm. in the presentation on on screen that that is also what kills it for me. So this is, this is call. I won't give it call minus. It's close to call minus. It's just call call. No, no, no. Actually, that's, that's not even right. This is, I won't say well minus. This is it. This is just a well film. Okay. This is below average, minimally tolerable yep. with a few good moments and mostly garbage. So I, this is just a well film yeah. for me. I'm going to give two ratings. I'm going to split the difference for your rating. The Godzilla fight, aircraft carrier, Hong Kong. I'll give that a call. It's exciting. It was fun. It's what we all wanted. It looked good. It had moments of humanity between the monsters. Teamwork. Jesus Christ. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you make these two things have teamwork together. Oh, that sounds great. I it, wish that was the whole film. It does. The, the rest of the film is rock cut. So I, I split the difference because that's a, that's a well rating in, in my book, but I'll give two ratings for that one. Any, That's fair. Anytime the human showed up, I was like, God, like, what the hell are they going to, like, just make up in dialogue right now? Get out of my uh, movie. Yeah, like, the, Hollow Earth this, conspiracy theory that. Guns on your six. And, man, and I'm telling you, Godzilla gets weird. I mean, there's this, the, the first one with Mechagodzilla is these aliens, and they're, like, these, like, simian, like, apes on, like, a crew. Like, it, it's kind of a crazy film, but, like, you don't remember any of that. You remember... Mecha Godzilla showing up and like what a cool creation like he's a robot Godzilla like let's mm-hmm. see them duke it out and they do and mm-hmm. I always remember he had like finger missiles and you'd be like and he'd shoot him out that's cool the best the one Godzilla film I think you would like from like the middle portion like eighty four to like ninety six is my favorite it's the high sci era um, and they were all named after like who, who the like the reigning like Japanese emperor of the time. So like that 86, 80, 96, 84, 8, 96 era is great. There's a one, the second one is Godzilla versus Biolante. And they took pieces of Godzilla's DNA in, in cells and infused them with a plant. And man, they make something unholy in there that really gives Godzilla a run for its money. It's really cool. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that whole, all the films from that era are really, Godzilla versus Desustroya is really good. Um, the reemergence of King Ghidorah in that franchise is awesome. Yeah, like there's some cool, and he, Godzilla's kind of scary in that one. I think that's why I like it is he's like not to be trifled with. <laughs> Y'all may be hearing a change midstream for Cask as we're talking right now. Nah, Off mic, we're like, going to have a discussion. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to it. But uh, let's wrap this up. We'll come back to our flight question with our nightcap question. Is that the Highlander soundtrack? That's nice. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it was juxtapose, juxt, juxtapose the Godzilla theme versus the Kong theme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> night and day. Night and day. Hit us with the nightcap, Matt. Second part to the flight, which is in the environment that you answered for the first one, you get to pick one organism to create to the next monster that's going to be Godzilla's foe and wherever this isn't going forward. Birth from the film we... Yeah, we previously said. Why don't you go? Why don't you go first with this one? So, with my return from hell, Event Horizon, <laughs> we are going to crash in some farm-like field, and the first thing that's going to set its foot onto 
I wish I could remember the name of that ship, but whatever the name of that ship is, the Nostromo, not, is a child of the earth. If none of you have ever seen, or if you have not seen this creature or this insect. Also known as the Jerusalem Cricket. You need to look at it. It is horrifying looking. It's like a cross between a spider and a scorpion with like a real fat body. Ugly. Yeah. But man, that would be cool. Very cool. So that's what I want. That's the creature is the Jerusalem cricket or the child of the earth coming into the evil nature of whatever the hell is on that ship. And it grows it into a larger size with all of the embodiments that a thing that terrifying would look spawned by the devil himself. Look out, Godzilla. It's on. Sign me up. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. We'll put a picture of that thing on the Insta. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Just the bug. I'm just saying that, that that's enough. That's <laughs> yeah. terrifying. Yeah. I think I, I, I think I saw, I saw one of those on my doorbell camera one time. It scared the shit out of me, but Ooh. yeah, it was, yeah, it was, I was like, who's at my door at two in the morning. And I was like, what is that? It could have mm. been a spider, but it, I think it was one of the Jerusalem crickets, but mm. good choice. Thanks. Mine. I'm, I want a little flight with mine. So, okay. So we got the life black goo is going to create some unholy creation. And this is something that's a little more current now because of their, I guess, arrival into the United States. Watch out, everyone, because they, I watched a documentary, Matt. It was the 72 deadliest animals in uh, in mm. Asia, mm-hmm. and it made the list, uh, number one in one of those episodes. I'm talking about the Asian giant hornet. You'll know it by the murder hornet. Ooh. So whatever black goo is going to get on that hornet and create some type of arbitration of unholy proportions... But, like, I like the flight element in battle with Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. Gives it an advantage, doesn't it? Sure, yeah. A whole nest or just one? I guess maybe just one, but he'd be, like, gigantic. He'd be, like, Mothra-sized. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, get get us those two in there. So that one's not, it's it's not poisonous, but, like, the, the sting itself going to hurt like hell. Like, imagine a wasp times, like, ten. And a... Paralyzing, a paralyzing agent to it. So if Godzilla gets stung on the foot, like he can't move his leg, mm-hmm. ooh, that could be really good. Can't move his tail. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I think those would be a lot of fun. That was that was kind of a creepy question because when you asked me, I was like, okay, okay, life ended, and I think Southeast Asia is like Vietnam. I was like, dangerous, most dangerous animals in <laughs> Vietnam, and I was like, it was just like these spiders. Are like, oh my, like the pictures that were coming up were so disgusting. <laughs> That's great. And I was like, I just got to find like the most like, like violent one. And I was like, oh man, everyone knows this murder hornet business right now. And the reason that like that's in such news is because like, if those get into like the honeybee hives, which are like important for like pollination and like agriculture, they wipe out like a whole hive. Like they're like very cannibalizing of that aspect of the animal kingdom. So Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's very good. Yeah, I I, I want to see both of those movies. Probably better than this one. Let me ask you, fanboy. I have two fanboy questions for you. Okay. If Godzilla is inserted into the mist, does he have a chance? There's a lot of creatures in the mist. I just I don't know. I think the Godzilla atomic breath is underplayed in every film. Deal breaker. I feel like that just obliterates anything. I'm with you. <laughs> okay, so I'm with you there. Second one is okay. You told me that you were going to give me the better case for why Godzilla is better than Kong. Like hmm. what? I, we didn't get to it because we got too busy talking about melodrama. So let's hear it now. Maybe this is a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about next week because, you know, 
Yeah, Godzilla, angry lizard, radioactive monster, always the bad guy, whatever. But I think everyone forgets like how what his origin is and how he was created. And this is a perfect segue, like I said, because next week, Matt, thank God. Like, man, we've been in some shit for like mm-hmm. about a month now. Yeah. We're going to switch that up next week. I, I know for sure this is a much better film. The original, 1954, Godzilla or Gojira however you want to pronounce it. And we're going to get to the root on like, is it fair to pin Godzilla as a villain-like creature because he's essentially birthed out of atomic science. Mm -hmm. This is a man-made creation. So his path of destruction on Japan, wherever he lands, is by man's own hand. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to say that, the dangers and the power of meddling with science. And we actually get to talk about a real-life science and a film that's essentially a, res- a Japanese response mm-hmm. to Hiroshima and Nagasaki, a horrific incident. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a moment, Matt. Uh, I hope you come wa- and I hope you come watch the film with me when we before we cut it. Yeah, I will. There's a moment about it's it's after the initial destruction and it's the post aftermath and it's one of the most haunting scenes I think I've ever seen in a film and like I always get a little misty eyed and a little kind of like my eyes get a little watery like watching that because while it is a science fiction monster movie guy in a suit in reality it's what they went through during that time you know what I mean so it's got a real hunting quality to it so I think it's not fair to pin Godzilla's the the man's the bad guy (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's true in this film. I mean, these characters in this Godzilla Kong are all terrible. <laughs> they are. So maybe, They really are. Maybe that's the true villain of the film. So Godzilla gets a bad rap, so I'm here to defend him. Good case. I think you've laid it out. I'm just want to talk about some good movies. I mean, man, it's been it's been a slog, but a good slog. I mean, these conversations have been amazing. I mean, <laughs> like I, I hope everyone's been liking uh uh the frustrations that we've been going through. But like <laughs> next week we're going to get we're going to get a little more cerebral in it. It's going to be a lot of fun. So Monster Joyous. Monster Joyous. So to that. To that. Cheers. cheers. I got to get going. I'm going to go get in my subterranean vehicle that's uh, from here all the way to uh oh, let's say New Zealand. See if that's as ridiculous as Pensacola to Hong Kong. <laughs> I was noticing when I pulled into your driveway this morning that my car was leaking some battery acid. So I'm going to find a moth and drive my car over it and blow it to Kingdom Come and see if I can't make Mothra for real. Oh, there you go. How about that? Oh, that's Aquaman. We'll see you all next week. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. For more Rye Smile content, go to patreon.com slash Films for exclusive bonus episodes plus feature-length watch-along commentaries on your favorite movies and TV show recap episodes covering the best from the small screen. For Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. Godzilla vs. Kong is property of Warner Brothers Pictures, Legendary Pictures, and Toho, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.